everybody, and welcome to the Above the Fray podcast. My name is David White, and we have a special episode for you today. Today's episode is titled Redeeming Marriage, and we want to play for you a workshop that Rosie and I were privileged to present to a Christian sorority. The name of the workshop is called Redeeming Marriage. If you have a high schooler in the house or maybe college students yourself, this would be a great podcast to listen to together. Maybe grab a pen and paper and take some notes on some of the tips that we give you for redeeming marriage. Just note that the audio is not the best in this podcast, so we apologize for that, but we hope that you enjoy it nonetheless. So above the fray, we use that phrase a lot in our house, and we've been using that phrase in our home for quite a while, for quite a long time. And you might be thinking, okay, well, what in the world do you mean by above the fray? So we're going to describe what the fray is, we're going to define it, and we're going to talk about it. And the way we do our podcast is that we have uh, five questions that we ask and answer. That's pretty simple format, right? So you have space where you're at where you can go ahead and take some notes, and I hope you do take some notes. Some things that really hit home with you tonight, all right? So I'm going to have Rosie go ahead and give you a definition of the fray. And we want you to really take note of what she's going to be uh, talking about and what we're going to be talking about when we talk about the fray. Okay. We define the fray as the muck and stress that is induced by unfair expectations coupled with unnecessary drama imposed by unrealistic demands that make us ineffective and ruins our joy, our peace, and our happiness. All right. So that that's a lot. That's a lot. Right? Rosie can repeat it. Go ahead and repeat it because I think it's probably worth repeating. Right? All right. So we define the fray as the muck and stress induced by unfair expectations coupled with unnecessary drama imposed by unrealistic demands that make us ineffective and ruins our joy, peace, and happiness. And the fray is not just something that is related to marriage. It's related to all areas of our lives when we really think about it. It's the proverbial hamster wheel that we see everybody on. Mm -hmm. Everybody who's tired, everybody who's angry, Everybody who's living in fear, everybody who's anxious. And this has to do with our relationships with uh, each other, has to do with our relationships with God, has to do with our relationship with our spouse. And it's something that can come and suck away our joy and happiness that God has intended for you and me. Our, Our tagline is to live freely and lightly. Mm-hmm. So are you living freely and lightly? Yeah, that's, uh, let me read that. The fray has one goal, mm-hmm. to destroy the life God intends for us, the family that God intends for us. It adds weight and takes away the ability to live freely and lightly. And you know where that comes from? It comes from the devil. The devil is in the fray. The devil is saying to you and me, let's keep you down. Let's make your marriages miserable. Let's make your friendships miserable. Let's keep you stressed out, distracted, distracted, so that all we do is focus on issues and problems that are secondary to eternity. Mm -hmm. And that's where we find ourselves in the fray. 
But before we uh, get more into that, we felt like it would be better for you guys to get a, uh, a little bit uh, more, uh, to know a little bit more about Rosie and I, all right? So we're gonna kind of take a walk down memory lane, okay? And so we're gonna show you a couple pictures. This will help you out, okay? If you're listening on podcasts, we'll post these on our social media so you can see. Um, so the first one is this. Ooh, ooh, that was a long time ago, y'all. A long, long time ago. So that was tw- almost 25 years ago. It'll be 25 years this July. July what? It's a test. 27. Good job. Good job. For the longest time. It's taken me 25 uh, years. Yes. It's taken her Hannah knows, right? It's taken a long time for Rosie to move to 27th, right? Um, so, Rosie, tell us, tell uh, the young lady here, tell them a little bit about your background, maybe where you grew up in your hometown, just real briefly, and how big your family is, because I think you'll be shocked. So I'm from a little town in Mississippi called Ellisville. Uh, at the time that I moved away from that city, we had one stoplight and I have, I'm the 18th of 19 children. So I come from a huge family. Yep, say that one more time. I'm <laughs> number 18 of 19. Yeah, big family. And so I grew up, I had the most fun, honestly. That's why I wanted a lot of kids myself. I didn't quite reach the teen numbers for myself, but it was so much fun. As far as the number of kids. Yeah, so fun growing up there. And my dad was, um, he's no longer alive, but he lived till 92 years old. Um, But anyway, um, my dad, a lot of people thought he was a pastor, but he wasn't because he, um, we spent a lot of time in church and doing church things and praying together and all sorts of things that people thought he was a pastor. He didn't become a lay minister until like even after he retired. So that's a little bit about that part of my life. Yeah. And then. So for me, um, I tell people I grew up in a foster home mm-hmm. because my mom and dad, ever since I was little, had been foster parents. They'd been medical foster parents. So we always had foster kids in and out of our home. And most of them had medical issues. Sometimes they were things like heart and apnea monitors, but other times they were things like uh, maybe a parent abused a child to where put them in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so uh, from the time I was very young, uh, I had have had a ton of, of kids in and out of our home, uh, just growing up, uh, and it didn't matter whether they uh, black, white, brown, neither. We had kids all the way uh, just growing up, have kids all the way uh, coming through our home, and it was... It was a great experience for me. In fact, when we got married, a uh, kind of funny thing is this, is when we got married, I had actually changed a whole lot more diapers than Rosie had. It wasn't anything uncommon for me when I was starting in middle school for me to walk in from school, my mom to hand me a baby and say, here, go change this diaper. I'm fixing dinner, right? Do you want to eat? Okay, then go change this baby. So I was a pro by the time we got married so, of changing diapers. So, so Hannah was a colicky baby, and I would literally wait by the door for when David came <laughs> home. I'm like, here, take the baby. Yeah. But, um, fast forward a little bit. So yeah, fast forward. But, and I also come from a big family, too, oh, though, not on. just the foster Thank kids. You. But there are 10 kids in my family, uh, and six of them are adopted. So we talked about adoption last night, right? I get adoption, right? I, I understand that whole concept, but it was a great experience growing up. Yes, and then uh, we both ended up going to our local junior high school, junior colleges, college. and then we both transferred to a small school in Florida here. Lake Wales. Lake Wales, and our focus, our ministry focus was youth ministry. 
So that's how we met because we had a lot of the same classes mm -hmm. together. And um, I mean, so we went to Warner University. Yeah. If you've heard of Warner University, it's just a small Christian school. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we met. A lot of people actually thought when we got there, we actually knew each other. But we came from two different parts of the world. I came from St. Pete. Uh, you know, which is is a lot bigger than Ellisville. Mm -hmm. Rosie came from a small town in Mississippi, but because we had a lot of the same classes, we were together all the time. Like literally, every class, our friends were all the same. So they everybody thought that we were um, we were a couple. And so, so now um, coming up in July, we're be, we'll have been married for twenty five years. Mm -hmm. We have seven children. Mm -hmm. uh, Hannah and, is the oldest. Yep, and, and we've got a couple. We have a couple photos too. Oh, we're gonna show you. Yeah. All right, and so. little seven that you guys see running around. She's number seven. Okay, yeah, that's the crew. So that's that's the crew there. Um, some of them are at home right now, so we're saying big bold prayers to God that our home is still there when we get back. Okay, <laughs> um, so uh, yep, and then we've got another one here. Uh, this is at Soli's wedding. So you guys saw uh, Soli and Andre. Uh, okay, so that's at their wedding there, and you can see how small seven was. She was so cute. All right, and then uh, another picture here. Uh, and that's seven because I just think she's like the cutest baby on planet Earth. And part of the reason we have her up there is uh, seven is a special child for us. Mm -hmm. um, we call her seven because seven in the Bible is the number of perfection. It's also the number of completion. And when we had seven, Rosie said, no more. <laughs> right? She said, I'm done. Right? But she is a perfect baby. And you probably heard Hannah say that she has Down syndrome. And um, we did not know that that was going to be the case officially until she was actually born you know doctors said well you have a high chance right but guess what we had a high chance with hannah and Sully and talia and josu and lily and elias had a high chance so now we have this special baby named seven mercy white so like what do we do with that do we stay in the fray and get anxious and angry and hopeless or do we rise above that and we say no god you have given us a special gift Mm -hmm. An amazing, amazing gift to love. And we're going to love that baby. Uh, we just want to do that just real quickly so you can kind of know a little bit about ourselves. Uh, also, just in ministry, uh, I actually was a full-time youth pastor for 13 years. And then 2008 happened. And then in 2009, with the, the market crashing, 2009, my church came to me and said, Hey, we really love you, but we can't pay you because nobody's giving. So my kids like to eat. So uh, ever since then, I've been what they call bivocational. So I've been working outside of the home and then ministering and using what I uh, do outside of ministry to pay for what I do in ministry. So up until about two years ago, I pastored a church that reached out to the homeless community in downtown St. Pete. And every week we would have a worship service and a meal for our homeless friends. And it was fantastic. Andre would come and lead, Hannah would come and lead worship. And then I would give a message. It was just fantastic. So that's just a little snippet about ourselves. Okay. So, Rosie, let's go ahead and jump right into this. We've got a bunch of things we're going to go over. Uh, you can try and take some notes if you can. I would love for you to do that. And then if you have any questions, like anything we say, as far as your question, like we get a lot of questions. Write like, them down at the end. Yeah. We can go. Yeah. Them. A lot of people ask us, okay, so how did your, your folks take the race thing, like the interracial thing? Get that all the time. That's something we can answer afterwards. But let's go ahead and jump into it. Rosie, what does the fray look like in marriages today? So this is the second question. Uh, the first question was what our story, which we really didn't say that. The second one is, what does the fray look like in marriages today? Um, the fray looks like marriages, marriages that feed off of drama from being over-emotional and under-spiritual. 
So think about that. Marriages that are so filled with emotion, not good emotion, usually toxic emotion, and the spiritual aspect of it, the Jesus aspect of it, is usually down at the bottom. Now, again, I know that maybe you're saying to me, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, you're not too far away from that. And so you're going to want to start to develop, hey, what do I want my marriage to look like, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe as you look at like your parents' marriage or other marriages around you, you sit there and you go, wow, okay, I can relate to that. I get it, right? So what's the second thing, Rosie? Marriages that place a high priority on entertainment and low priority on developing strong relationships with spouses and children. And um, I think that's that's kind of key because I think a lot of a lot of parents, even though they may spend time with their kids, it's entertaining their kids. It's going to the movies together, which is I'm not saying anything is wrong with any mm-hmm. all of that or even going to Disney and all sorts of things. But uh, I think if you don't if you're not putting that energy into most important things, mm-hmm. it just becomes another yeah. another way to distract you and take you off focus of mm-hmm where you need to be kind of leading your children. Yeah. Uh, I used to manage a Chick-fil-A, and I remember one time I saw this family come in, and they had like a two-year-old, kind of like seven's age. Mm -hmm. And they sat down at the table. They put the two-year-old in a a high chair, and they put an iPad right in front of the two-year-old and pressed play. And then the mom and dad both pulled out iPads, and they literally did not say a word the entire meal. I was like, wow. You have this chance to connect and to get to know each other as a couple and you're not taking advantage of it or to get to know your children, right? So the third thing is this, uh, marriages where couples are, uh, the couple is so exhausted trying to keep up with the Joneses, always having a bigger house, always having a nicer car, always having this, that, and the other, working, working, working to try to attain a lifestyle just because everybody else around them, like they feel like, okay, well, I guess I have to have this. The question is why? Why do you have to have the nicest car on the block or the nicest house or try to keep up with your friend or your relatives when you just end up exhausted? Mm -hmm. And all you do is work. I literally had a conversation a a couple weeks ago with a parent. I was doing some um, uh, counseling And I said, hey, did you guys talk about this? You've had a couple weeks to talk about this one issue. And the mom literally said, no. When I get home from work, I'm really, really tired. And so I usually go and uh, take a shower, grab something to eat and go to bed. And my daughter's already in her room and she just stays in her room the whole time. Mom's exhausted. Now, she could have a different schedule. She could choose a different schedule she wanted to. But she's chosen the one she has. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that this number four relates a lot to number three. Yeah. Um, is trying to keep up with the Joneses. What it does is if you're, if you're trying to afford an unattainable lifestyle, it can lead to drowning in debt. Mm-hmm. And what happens, and a lot of people don't, don't know this, or you may not know this, but one of the leading causes of divorce the is leading cause. the leading cause of divorce in families has to do with money. Money, money is the biggest cause mm-hmm. of divorce in a marriage. Now, one of the things I will tell you as you are looking to go into marriage, I would definitely find out how he is with money. Mm-hmm. 
I know it sounds really bad. Like I actually have heard of people that I know of that actually will be like, I want to know your credit score because some people have a train wreck. I've literally had people that said, Hey, I went into my marriage and I had like $30,000 in the bank, but the person I married couldn't figure out how to, to save or anything. Their, their credit was awful. They had thousands of dollars in credit card debt. They had a high payment on their car. And all of a sudden, like in six months, that $30,000 was completely gone and they were living in debt. Mm-hmm. And, and that also is for you yourself. Right. It's something for you to consider. You know, how are you with your money? If, it, mm-hmm. if it's something that you need to learn how to control and manage, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good idea to do that before you even get into relationships. Yeah. You you're not carrying, if, if at all possible, a whole lot of baggage in a marriage with you right. that can possibly be, a you know, Something to kind of make it a little bit rocky. And, and full disclosure, Rosie and I struggled in this area. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that growing up. We didn't have anybody sit us down and say, hey, so here's how you balance your checkbook. This is how you make sure that you don't spend too much and you don't do this and that. My guess is that every week you probably get a credit card offer in the mail. Oh, they do. All right. Especially because they target college students. It's just a, a thing they do. Be really, really careful with that and look at whoever you're getting in a relationship with. See if they're really addicted to that stuff. You know, throwing a credit card down for every single thing. Just be really, really yeah. careful. Of that. And it's not a deal breaker. No. You know, it's, but it's something that you want to, you know, talk about mm-hmm. and, and, and be on the same page with. Exactly. Exactly. How are you want to go and move forward? Right, right. So number five, this is a big one. Uh, and the fray of a, of a marriage is when we're more concerned about what kind of grades kids get or how their performance is on the athletic field and not as concerned uh, about their walk with Jesus. Like, I want you to make sure that you get an A on that test too. I want you to study. Don't go to youth group study tonight. Don't go to church. Go to that travel team, uh, that travel team tournament. We know people right now that haven't been to church in years because they just follow their kids around to travel team tournaments. Don't get caught up in that. And that's what keeps you in the fray, right? Because our priorities are whack. Our relationship with Jesus should always be number one priority with that. Number six is this. Um, marriage is where the couple spends a lot of time doing their own thing. You might hear that, right? Uh, kind of living in their own silo, so to speak. And they begin to grow apart. Two separate lives. I have my friends, they have their friends. I have my bank account, they have their bank account. And it's all this autonomy. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you look down a few years later, like, wow, I really don't need them for anything. They're just a, a roommate, right? That's a scary place to be, but there's a lot of couples that are in that place, right? And it doesn't mean you can't have separate friends. But it does mean is that you need to have connection, Right. Rosie, uh, what are the last three? Uh, number seven, prayer and Bible study in the family are lacking or non-existent. That's big. <laughs> I, That's said, I said it like it's just, but for real, it's, it's, it's like number one. Yeah. The saddest thing for me as somebody who's a pastor is to see kids grow up in a home where both parents are Christians but it's essentially a non-Christian home. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might go to church, but that's about it. There's no prayer time. Couples where there's no prayer time, couples where they don't read the Bible together. If you are in a dating relationship or you're going to be dating, 
make that a priority. Mm-hmm. When you go out on a date, pray together. Take time to do a Bible study together. There's so many Bible studies out there you could do together. What that does is that sets the plate so that when you get married, it's not awkward. It's just not, it's just natural. It's just what we do. Right? Mm-hmm. And again, one of the things we talked about, um, we've talked about in some of our um, previous podcasts are how you begin to do that. We talked about one about the worshiping family, about the praying family, some just tips for you to get started in doing that. All right, so the last two are these things in this in this question. Now, um, we one of the things to keep us in the phrase just a lack of commitment. Mm-hmm. I I believe that you know you 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 are in a you're in a marriage relationship. You need to know that you know as as most people's vows say, it's a one and done deal. Mm-hmm. You know when we got married. Um, first of all, I think one of the things that kind of pushed us to uh, see this even before we got married is because we were both in youth ministry and we did talked a lot about youth and developing adolescents and things of that, of that nature. And we saw the impact of what divorce does to kids. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will downplay that because they want people to feel comfortable with the bad choices that they make. Mm-hmm. It could have been a bad choice and choosing that person, but you continue to make bad choices and kids face the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. And so when we talked about the, the fact that we were going to get married, we said divorce was not an option. Mm-hmm. And what that forces us to do is that we try to make every day great. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when we have disagreements, tell la vie, that's life. But we're not going to, you know, let it put a grudge or a wedge within our relationship. We try to find a way to work it out and to mm-hmm. deal with it because this is it. We're not saying, okay, well, let me just go find greener pastures over here, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of thing. That, yeah. that was just our commitment. And I believe what it does is, you know, we all benefit from having that stability in our lives when we know that, you know, we're all working towards the same Goal. There's a peace there. Yeah. There's a yeah. freedom there. We talked about, you know, living outside of the fray. We began to live free mm-hmm. and light because Absolutely. we know, you know, somebody's got our back. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, a friend of ours who's a pastor, Tim Whipple, he says this phrase all the time. And I think it's so important. We make choices and our choices make us. You make choices and your choices make mm-hmm. you. So that's one of the things as you go into a marriage relationship, just keep that in mind. You're making a choice to go into this marriage, and that's going to make you at the same time. So what are you going to do with that? So the last thing we have, just uh, real quickly, uh, number nine is not living out the roles that God has intended for us to live in the marriage, um, within the marriage relationship. Meaning that maybe you have a husband that is not stepping up in leadership. He is not taking the lead. Uh, in the home. He is not setting the pace or the tone for your family as it relates to spiritual matters. We talked a little bit about this in the dating one. Mm-hmm. With right, Ruth and right. Jezebel. And so just keeping that in mind and encouraging him, you know, pushing him a little bit to, to take that lead and to desire that. And that's something, again, you find out as you're dating, right? Yeah. You begin to figure that out. Like, is this person for real? Are they going to lead me or not? You know, are they going to be the kind of person I want to follow 
And if they're not, we might want to go, hmm, maybe I need to take a step back. And this is something for you all to consider. When I was 18 years old, I, I didn't even have a, anybody on the radar that I wanted to marry, but I actually went to an, a marriage retreat when I was 18 years old. And I learned so much and I actually kept the booklet. So when David and I knew that we were gonna get married, I said, okay, we need to, cause when you're dating, there's a lot of things you don't really talk about because, mm -hmm. you know, like Soli was saying, you don't, you can't give everybody everything because sometimes you don't have that right to, you know, to some of those emotions and things of that nature. So I'm like, okay, we need to, talk about everything under the sun because mm -hmm. I want to know who this person is. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those things that we, you know, you usually typically avoid talking about when you're dating is just money. Well, let me, or let me maybe say even this too. past girlfriends. Let me tell, tell you all what we did. We actually took, when we got engaged, yeah. we took about a week mm -hmm. and we wrote down every question that we had for the other person and nothing was off limits, nothing. This wasn't gonna be a soap opera marriage where all of a sudden she's like, you come into me and she's going, hey, so who's Charlene? <laughs> okay, I've never dated my name Charlene. I don't know where that name came from, right? Okay, sorry, Charlene, if you're out there, I don't know who you are, you're probably very nice. But, you know, well, who is this and who is that? No, no, we got it all out there. She could ask me anything. And of course it was funny because I think I had like 16 questions for her. I had about 50 questions. She had at least 50 questions. But you guys know what? It was so freeing. We got to know so much. We asked about how many kids we wanted. You know, who was going to take care of this? Who was going to do that? What was it going to look like? And I'll tell you, we got to know a lot about each other just from doing that simple thing. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So we got to keep moving though, okay? Because we, we could be here all afternoon. So the third question is, what steps can we take going into marriage to combat the fray mentality in our relationships? So number one, the this is huge, thing. the most important thing. And it's, and in a relationship, I think we all have to remember, you know, we're two coming as one, but the number one, we have to take care of ourselves spiritually. Right, so we have to work on a relationship with Jesus. We do. Um, let Jesus be enough. Just let him be enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Andre, I want you to put that uh, quote up there on the screen by Sinclair Ferguson. It's also on your paper there because I thought it was so good. thought we should have it on there. And this is what Sinclair Ferguson says. We should not make the mistake of thinking that marriage will provide the ultimate satisfaction for which we will hunger. We don't go into marriage to make us happy. If we're not happy before we get into marriage, we're not gonna be happy after. We don't go into a marriage to change somebody. Like when I get married to them, then they're gonna change automatically. And all of a sudden they're gonna be, you know, this perfect churchgoer and they're gonna lead and they're gonna wanna pray. And once we get married, it doesn't work like that. I mean, sometimes it does, but it very rarely does. So he says, that's not what we should do. To assume so would be, we would be to be guilty of blasphemy. Only God satisfies the hungry heart. Marriage is but one of the channels he uses to enable us to taste how deeply satisfying his thirst-quenching grace can be. Okay. Let Jesus be enough. Let him be enough. And C.S. Lewis says this, When I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. That's working on our relationship with Jesus, number one. 
And you know what? That should never stop. In my relationship with, with Rosie, Rosie's number two. Mm-hmm. If I get that backwards, then my, my relationship is going to be backwards. Mm-hmm. Why? Because also my affections are going to be, be twisted. And I'm going to be putting her above Jesus. And I want to learn how to love I'm like not Jesus. right all the time. All right? I want to make sure that I am, okay, my affections are for Jesus, number one, and that number two is, is my wife. And let me just say this. Number three are my children. And my children know this. Mama comes before them. In your marriage, make sure that your spouse comes before your kids. I literally had somebody say to me last week in a joking manner, literally said, yeah, in about three years, my wife and I will be empty nesters, and then we'll be able to reconnect again. He's had kids in his home for like, I don't know, 18 years, 20 years, and now he's like, and I'm going to reconnect. I'm like, dude, you just waste a lot of time, you know, with your soulmate, like connecting with soulmates. So number one, work on your relationship with Jesus. Let him be enough. Number two, work on identifying fray areas of your life and relationships that you are success susceptible to, to mm-hmm. like friends, social media, movies, and music, and getting caught up in weak areas, getting caught up in areas of weakness. So right. Can explain that. Yeah. So basically, there are things that we get in, we get caught up in that bring us into the fray. Like some of us, we just need to turn off our social media because oh. it gets just gets us down, Ooh. gets us riled up emotionally. Sometimes we just need to turn off the TV if we're watching TV and we're just getting really angry and upset and just just ticked off. I it, don't know. And anybody else? My dad used to call the TV and like social. Back then, we did not have phones and stuff, but it would have been the same. He used to call it the idiot box. Mm-hmm. He would say, turn off the idiot box. I was like, okay. But there's certain things that we have in our lives that are toxic. And what happens is we begin to feed that and it just becomes a thing so that we're always looking for it. It's like we're always looking for a comeback. We're always looking to get involved in that. And there are certain toxic people in our lives that we need to cut off. There are certain people that just bring us down. And when we look at going into a marriage, those are the people we need to just back off from. Because why? We need to rise above the fray. And they just bring us into that. They're negative. They're cutting. They're sarcastic all the time. Typically, it means they're, a lot of times, they're just not happy with themselves. But just making sure that we look at that and go, wow, you know what? I need to just turn my phone off for a few hours. Whoa, try that this week. Just take take some time and say, I'm going to turn my phone off for two hours in the very middle of the day or for three hours or four hours. It's crazy, but it's free. Yeah. All right. Peace brings some peace back. It brings peace back. Um, and that goes into our point number three on that is surround yourself with people that are going to make you better. Yeah. I mean, surround people that are going to build you up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard something uh, this past week that we become like the people that's, around us. That's very true. Um, I know it, it's, Especially also when you're married, if you hang out with someone that has a negative view of what marriage is, honestly, run. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you'll find yourself feeding off of those negativities and beginning to think the same sort of thoughts. Or you'll start being hyper uh, sensitive to things and you'll be like, oh, he, my, my husband or my whatever does the same thing. Maybe I ought to be mad about it. And you know what I'm saying? You, If you want a great marriage, hang around people that help push you towards that and and maybe live that out right and one of the things some of us have the 
uh, the helping complex. Like we are helpers in our nature and there's nothing wrong with that. We want to help everybody. Sometimes that happens when it comes to dating somebody though. Like we see somebody and every sign says we should like run because they've got so much stuff going on. And yet we have this like, you know, oh, we're going to rescue them mentality. And so we stick with them. We stick with them. We stick with them. And maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should be like, no, I can't do this. Like I can't do long term with this. Especially if it's bringing you. Especially if it's bringing you down. And, um, you know, I said, you know, we become like the people around us. And that's true. We become like the people around us spiritually. A lot of times we become like the people around us financially as well. Like we tend to be in kind of the same socioeconomic class as well. So just keep that in mind, those people that you have around you. I love the story of the geese. Um, Does anyone know why geese fly in a V formation besides Hannah? Because Hannah's probably heard this a million times. I love this because this is so true. Now, next time you see geese, you'll never think of them in the same way. So geese fly in a V formation for a very specific reason. One, they fly a very long way. And what happens is the closer you are to the front of the V, the point of the V, the more wind you are absorbing. So it is harder for you to flap your wings. And the further back you go, the easier it is because you're going to be able to fly in the airstream of the, the, uh, the geese in front of you. So what they do is they fly in that V formation and the geese behind are honking and they're not honking just because they're dumb geese and they just honk, right? It's not like random, like honk, 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 honk. They're actually honking encouragement to the geese up in the front. And what happens is, is that when the geese in the front get tired, they circle back to the back and everybody moves up. And they just keep doing that all the way along, encouraging each other, taking the brunt, encouraging each other, taking the brunt. And if any geese get sick or have to stop, they always have at least one other um, goose that will stop with them. And they will wait until they're able to fly on. Those are the kind of people that we need to have around us, whether it's in marriage or friendship. People that are cheering you on. If your friends don't want the best for you, get new friends. If they aren't cheering you on and they're always putting you down and they're always complaining to you about everything under the sun, you might want to think about getting some new friends because real friends are going to cheer you on. They want what's best for you and they're going to go through hell and back for you. And that's the same as it is when it comes to somebody to marry. Look for somebody that was willing to take a bullet for you. Say, I would jump in front of a, a, a moving vehicle for you because I care about you that much. All right. All right. So enough about that. Um, so uh, number four question. All right. We got two more. Um, the title of this talk is Above the Fray, Redeeming Marriage. And what does that mean? And as we, we thought about this, here's the thing we find. Right. We find that the divorce rate among Christian couples is basically the same as it is among non-Christian couples. You know what that is? That's tragic. Mm-hmm. That is a shame. That is a shame. That's why Rosie and I started this podcast, because we see so many marriages that are not happy. People aren't healthy. Kids aren't healthy right now because marriages aren't healthy. And that's one of the reasons why I want to talk with you all about this, because we're, we're here going, guys, guess what? Ladies, sorry. Ladies, guess what? There's a different way. You don't have to look at the way other people are doing it and say, oh, I'm going to get married, and in about five years, my marriage is going to suck. In about 10 years, I'm not going to know my kids. 
And in about 12 years, I'm going to be contemplating divorce and looking elsewhere. We don't have to do that. So that's why I want to talk about redeeming marriage. It doesn't have to be like everybody else. You can be like the way God intended it, right? So that's number one is the divorce rate among Christians is why we wanted to talk about this. All right? We don't want y'all to be statistics. We don't. Number two is this. We need to break away from the mentality of the world when it comes to marriage. We have a microwave society. You put it in, you press 30 seconds, and boom, it's not ready, then we're done, right? It's like marriages are no longer long-term. They're leases. So at the end of a couple years, you took it for a test drive. Hey, it didn't work out so well. We didn't like the way it drove. So guess what? We're going to upgrade. Everybody's upgrade, upgrade. Hey, so this is Lisa 3.0 now. What happened to Lisa 1.0 or 2.0? Well, you know, it just didn't work out. We fell unin love. What? Fill in the blank. We've got to start to change our mentality. I love this quote. It's by Jonathan Edwards. And it says that every Christian family ought to be as if it were a little church. And I love that just because it it has a little bit of weight to it. But we have to see we're talking about seeing our family, seeing our relationships as something that is glorifying God. Mm-hmm. It's for God. Our union with whoever it is that God brings us is to glorify him. And mm-hmm. so when we add kids to that, it's just a, another way we get to glorify and honor God. Mm-hmm. And so to begin to think of our families as Oh, yeah. <laughs> to think of our family as a little church, you know, the things that we tend to send our go to church for and send our kids to do, we can do that in our homes. Yeah. We don't absolutely. have to. I mean, we biblically, we're supposed to be a part of a church body, but we can teach our kids about the Bible. Mm-hmm. And we prayer. can sit around a table and pray together mm-hmm. and sing worship music together. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to. Let that be youth Pastor Joe's job mm-hmm. or somebody else's job. Right. And that's the way it is in, in the culture, really. I mean, we've gotten to that point where basically we just drop our kids off at, at kids' church. Or we drop them off at youth, you know, at the, at the youth ministry and we go, okay, youth pastor, you take care of this. Okay, senior pastor, you take care of this. And then when, when, when our kids start to, to mess around, they start to mess up, we go, well, it must have been the youth pastor's fault or it must have been the church's fault. It must have been so-and-so's fault. And God says to you and me, it is our responsibility as parents. But guess what? It starts even before you have kids, Mm -hmm. where you as a couple are a little church. Mm -hmm. And you can be a dynamic force as a little church, Mm -hmm. where you read the Bible together, where you study scripture together. You do devotion. Y'all, there are so many couples devotions out there. There There's so many. It's crazy. Usually, look at Amazon, couples devotions. There's tons of them out there. So no excuse to not do that, to pray together. And if you're brave, sing together, right? So we sing all the time. Uh, Andre drops by. Serve together. Serve together. Yeah, serve together as a couple. You know, serve in a Christian ministry together. I mean, how awesome is that? And then when your kids come along, guess what? You bring them to things like a, a, a sorority retreat so they can begin to see it. Our kids have been all around the, the country with us, all around, all around the states with us. Going to these things and seeing mom and dad doing this and jumping right in. If the other kids were here, they would probably jump up and want to sing. They would want to come, they would want to lead somehow. Guess what? That didn't just happen, you guys. It, it didn't just like we didn't just wake up one day and flip a switch and go, boop. 
Hey, Christian kid, good job. Boom, fist bump. No, it didn't happen, right? It took us together, working together with the Lord to do that, right? So uh, last couple things in this area of why was this redeeming marriage so important? Number one, uh, uh, number three, rather, sorry, divorce is not an option for us. Now, I know whenever we say that, everybody goes to like the worst case scenario, right? Well, what if I'm getting beaten? You know, what if this is happening? And what is that happening? But let's talk about, for the most part, what, what's going on reality, right? Reality of we just fell we, we just didn't, we weren't in love anymore. We just didn't love each other. We just didn't see eye to eye. Just things like that, right? Just money was an issue, right? All those things that we begin to do. I said, divorce is not an option. Mm-hmm. And guess and what? Honestly, oh, I was going to say, I've, I mean, I think it happens with just about anything that we might find ourselves caught up in. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. It's yeah. a, it's, there's a song that says it's a slow fade. Yeah. And that's what fade. happens in relationships. It's yeah. not an overnight thing. And so that's that's why when I when we said divorce is not an option, I'm like I said, I literally am like, today, how can I make today great? How can I make today mm-hmm. better right. and good? You know, yeah. I'm taking care of today. I'm not worried about yesterday, but today. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we try to reconnect every day. To right. make sure there's nothing in our relationship mm-hmm. that says, you know, that could kind of build yeah. a wedge. Right. So, so anyway. divorce is not an option, but get this. Neither is spending time with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's not an option. We got to do it. We have to do it. If not, we're going to have our marriage flipped up upside down. We don't want that. Mm-hmm. We want Jesus leading the way in our marriage. Why? Because when I lead the way in my marriage, I screw it up. I'm a major screw-up. I'm like, I'm like the pre- president of the club right here, this guy, right? That's why I need Jesus to lead it. So spending time with Jesus is so important. Another thing is this, is fight for your relationship with your spouse. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your relationship. Go on marriage retreats. Have fun. Do weekend getaways. Whatever you can do to keep the sparks flying. Guys, we've been married almost 25 years. I don't think any any of y'all are 25 years old yet, are you? Anybody 25? Right? Except for Andre. Okay. Oh, somebody on here is, 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 I guess. But here's the reality. We, you guys, we love each other. We're head over heels in love with each other after 25 stinking years. It's a long time. Hello. Think about that, Greg. I know. You did it to me. No, I'm just kidding. No, my kids did it to me. No. But, but the reality is this. we fight for our marriage. We fight for time with each other. And there are times when Rosie will put her foot down and she'll say, Honey, we need to do something just the two of us because we have not connected uh, enough like she will, she'll get really like, like she doesn't get ticked off much, but that's something that will tick her off. Like, honey, we need to meet. We need to go out on a date. And you know what? There are times too when I do the same exact thing. Rosie has a side hustle. It's Mary Kay, like Hannah. Okay, they do Mary Kay. And literally she had three weekends in a row where she had something on Saturday, three weeks in a row, like all day Saturday. And then church was on Sunday. And I was like, I got really ticked off. I got a little selfish. 
but it was a good selfish. Why? Because I wanted time with my wife. And that's a good thing. You want to be with your spouse. So fight for your marriage. Fight for your relationship, right? And guys, that begins now. Like when you're dating, when you're engaged, you start that now. You fight for that. You go for it. You own it, right? You've got one shot to get it right. If divorce is off the table, you've got one shot to get it right. Make it the best you can, mm-hmm. right? And the last thing is this. Encouraging marriages that are healthy in Christ, couples that are head over heels in love, and relationships that are rich and deeply satisfying. Think about that, right? Marriages that are encouraging. Part of the reason we started this podcast because we had people literally coming to us and going, hey guys, what's going on? What's the secret sauce? What's, what, what you guys got that we don't have? Like, we see the love in your eyes. We see the, the way your kids act. What, what are you doing that we're not doing? Now, truth be told, let me just tell you this, full disclosure too, a lot of those people won't listen to this podcast. Why? Because they're stuck. They're stuck in a certain way. And they're like, oh, surely you don't mean I should sit down and pray with my kids. Oh, yeah, we do. That's what you ask the secret sauce. That's it. Surely you don't mean I should pray with my spouse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, we do. Yeah, I know. Go figure. Crazy, right? And Christian praying together, right? Surely you don't mean I should open the Bible and read it with my children. Oh, no, that's it. Yeah, exactly. So we want to encourage you to be an encouragement to other people, to be a shining light, Mm -hmm. to be above the fray. And that's one of the things we've tried to do is be above the fray in these areas, not get sucked in to what everybody else is doing. Here's Here's a little side note, okay? Typically, if everybody else is doing it, Go the exact opposite way. Just go the exact opposite way because it's usually wrong. Why? Because it's usually fueled by the world. It's usually fueled by ulterior motives of the devil. So, encouraging marriages that are healthy in Christ, couples that are head over heels in love, and relationships that are rich and deeply satisfying. Mm -hmm. Can you name people in your life that you know that have a head over heels in love relationship? People, relationships that are rich and deeply satisfying. Marriages where they love Christ. There's not very many people out there like that. And that's one of the reasons why the divorce rate is so high. That's one of the reasons. Um, Let's just go ahead and jump down to question number five. All right, question number five is what does this look like in our own marriage? How do we... Practice living above the fray. Right. Because here's the thing, right? We have a lot of people that say, well, what would you do? Right. And we can tell you what would you do all day long. But what do we do? Because I think that's more impactful, right? So number one is this, and you'll hear us use this word if you listen to our podcast all intentionality. It doesn't just happen. Intentionality. Taking care of the most important things like praying and doing devos as a couple and with our children. We are intentional with that, you guys. We just have to be. We have to make time. So, Hannah, what time is devotion and prayer time at our house? Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. o'clock, Everybody knows. No matter what you're doing, you're going to stop and you're going to come down out to the dinner table and we're going to sit down and we're going to do prayer and devos together. It's intentional. And we have to do that as a couple 
We have to do that as a family. What's the second one, Isaac? The second one is talking and communicating with our kids about the mess that is going on in the world from a Christian worldview. And this this is this has helped a lot because kids, you know, when you see what's going on around in the world and you know, just a lot of the I'm just going to call it mess. Mm-hmm. Kids, it can cause a lot of stress with kids. So what mm-hmm. we do, you know, when we're sitting around at the dinner table, you know, we're reading scripture, but we're also saying, how in the world does this scripture, how can we use this to help us bring calmness and peace and clarity to what's going on out there? Right. So and a communication lot of kids, is key. A lot, of, a lot of kids, and you all may be in the same boat, maybe with your own families right now. A lot of kids don't have anybody they can talk to about these things except for their friends. Like they don't have that relationship with their parents. And so a lot of kids, I call them spiritually feral, right? Maybe mom and dad do, you know, do go to church. They're Christians, but they don't have that relationship with their parent where they feel like they can go to them and say, mom and dad, how do we handle a pandemic? What do we do? Like everybody I know is just freaking out and they go to church. What am I supposed to do with that mom and dad? Like everybody's scared out of their minds, right? How do I handle that? And y'all are in college, right? Imagine my son who's seven. My son who is seven years old, he's trying to deal with this. And he's smart. He's hearing things go on. My daughter who's 14, who's getting, who's in eighth grade, How do they deal with it if there's no idea to talk about? They're scared out of their mind. And you, when you're in that marriage setting, you need to be able to talk about these things as a couple. Rose and I need to be on that conversation. But guess what? You also need to have that conversation with your kids and start when they're really young, Mm -hmm. right? Make it age appropriate, of course, but, but start when they're little, to help that dialogue, communicate, communicate, communicate. Because what's going to happen is maybe it's about a pandemic right now, but man, maybe it's, you know, something's happening in school and somebody's, you know, maybe they have a friend that, that, that killed themselves. And, and you would never know that because they go and they shut themselves in a room and they don't talk about it. You don't have that communication. Maybe it's, man, you know, they're, they're being tempted to do drugs. They're being tempted to do things that aren't healthy for them. They're toxic for them. But you don't have that conversation develop. And so they just kind of do their own thing and you do your own thing and you're in a silo. And deep down, your kid is just dying inside because they don't have that conversation going. They don't have that person they can reach out to. What's the next one, Rose? Number three, um, we do not go to bed angry. We don't. And y'all, t- I'll tell you, we, we've been up until 2, 3 in the morning working things out. Even if we're dog tired, we have been up till two and three in the morning. Even if it takes a little bit of raised voices, crying, whatever it is, we don't go to bed angry. But you know what typically happens? God uses those things Mm -hmm. in our marriage. On more than one occasion, and this is not to puff myself up. I say this because it's been times of weakness for me. I've had to get down on my knees and, and ask my wife to forgive me. Ask her to forgive me because I have been ugly towards her. I'm not proud of that. That's something I don't go around and go, oh yeah, I was an ugly guy. I was rude to my wife. I was mean. Look at me. No. Usually there's tears there because I have broken my lover's heart. And I don't want that to happen. Again, we're fighting for our marriage. We want to be the best it can be. 
We're going to work out these things so we don't go to bed angry. What's the next one, Rose? Um, creating an atmosphere of peace in our home. Yeah. So this is huge. Y'all, get this. Please get this. I know this doesn't, it sounds like when you just gloss it or an atmosphere of peace. Oh, yeah, that's it. Be intentional about peace in your home. I was literally talking to somebody yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, they called me. He said, Pastor Dave, can we talk? We had a long conversation because there has not been peace in their home in like 20 years. There's a situation in their home where it is, there's just animosity there. There is so much hurt and heartache right now in the home and it would have been avoided had it been fought for 20 years before. But now, 20 years down the line, and there's 20 years of buildup, and now it's like huge, and barring God intervening in a miracle, it's going to continue down that road because they didn't fight for the peace in their home. And one of the ways we do that typically is we, you know, first of all, we have to model being kind towards each other mm-hmm. and encouraging each other. And, but we require that of our kids. Our kids do. aren't allowed to fight. I mean, no. they're kids, right? So they will have disagreements, but we're not gonna sit back and just let it let it go on. You right, know? right. If you, if you haven't solved it in about a couple of minutes, that's when we're gonna come in and help We're gonna help you solve, solve it. it because, <laughs> and people are like, well, you're just trying to, you know, be a helicopter parent. No, 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 no. We're fighting for peace and we want them to see that. And most of the time, it's stupid stuff anyway. You guys know what I mean. Like stupid stuff that siblings get invites over, right? You know, he did this, she did that, blah, 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 blah. Who's going to wash the dishes? Who's going to wash the dishes? Who didn't put their dishes away? Blah, 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 right? All of, all of that stuff. Hannah's laughing because she knows. But we don't allow that to happen. And if we have any of our kids that are being antagonistic, they're being quarrelsome, we call them out on it immediately. Because that's something that that the others feed off of. It's a cancer and it spreads, right? So what do we do, you guys? We call them out. Uh, Hannah will probably be the first to tell you, uh, for the time they're in elementary school, we've had this conversation even in elementary school. It sounds extreme, right? You're like, oh man, you guys are tough parents. We're not really, We're honestly, we're not. Hannah will tell you, we're not, uh, I mean, honestly, we're not. But we, w- we will let them know. The front door is right there. If you want to keep up your attitude, you can leave now. Elementary school. It's like, what? I'm like, yeah, no, it's right there. Why? Because the peace of my home is so important. The peace of my marriage is so important. And I'm not going to let one child come in here and decide when they're eight years old, they're nine years old, they're 10 years old, that they're going to be lipping a mouth off. Uh-uh, nope. That's not going to happen. There's the door. Bye-bye. Dad, you would do that? Yep, go on. Get. Really? Yeah, go on. Get. Hannah knows I'm telling the truth. I'm not making this. It's not like I'm making this up, right? But you know what has happened is, as a result, they get it. And they go, wow, dad is serious about the peace of our home. This is so important. Guys, if you want an awesome marriage, fight for it. Be intentional, right? And the last thing we have, I'm sure there's more, um, being in charge of our schedule versus our schedule being in charge of us. Purposely not overextending ourselves. Right, not overextending yourselves. Some of y'all grew up in that environment. Like your parents had you running from thing to thing to thing. Right, for me, uh, it was sports. I love sports. I went from baseball to basketball to football to baseball to basketball, football, nonstop, never a break. You know, I would get home from school and it would be really late at night. 
over spring break, I didn't get a break. I was always playing sports. I was always, now I loved it. It was great. But some of us are get we got so ex- overextended. We're allowing our schedules, our things to get so, so, so out of control. Yeah. Right? And, then, and then it begins to look like those are the most important right. things. And kids see that and they take note. Right. It's a mental thing that develops in their minds. And therefore, the most important things that we want to focus on as a family, being honoring and glorifying God and growing together in Christ, that becomes, it looks like it's like number seven on the list rather than yeah. number one. Yeah. And then also, we're too tired to go to church because, man, we've been tired. We've been, uh, you know, running around all week. And, man, it's like church is the first thing to go. Always the first thing to go. And even like our devotion time is like one of the first things to go too. Oh, we're really tired, so yeah, we're not going to do it tonight. We'll just skip it. So one night becomes two nights, becomes three nights, becomes a year, becomes two years and three years. And so not allowing our schedules to control us, but us controlling our schedule. Again, there is intentionality. So we're going to do is we have one more quote that we want to give you. And this just came from us as we were just looking at this, um, you know, at this, at this topic. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and take questions. If you all have any questions for us. Feel free to fire away. Also, when we get done here, if you want to just pull us aside, you have questions for us, don't hesitate. Trust me, we've heard every question under the sun. All right? Um, there's nothing that's really off limits ever. So, Rosie, what is our final thought? And this is really bad. I think it's going to be on the screen, too. People think that marriages are all about themselves. Marriages are not about us. They are, they are about God and His glory. So this is so important, you guys. That's me. That's David. That's <laughs> not really. Those are our model doppelgangers, right? People think that marriages are all about themselves. Marriages are not about us. They are about God and his glory. You know, I am honored to have a wife, right, that sees this the same way, that we as a couple say, how can we be different in this world? How can we be different for Jesus? How can we be torchbearers for Christ together as a couple? How can our children do the same? We are now taking this torch and we're passing it on to them, the flame, and going, y'all go and run with it. Y'all run with it. Go crazy for Jesus. So you know, so uh, Hannah, right? You know what Hannah's been doing here. Uh, UCF, she loves Jesus. She's really involved. Um, This is actually her home church, if you didn't know this. Uh, She's on the worship team here. Soli's got a podcast. I don't know if you guys, did they tell you that? It's her uh, Instagram is like blown up. It's a Soli, Oli, I think is what it is. Um, But they have a podcast, Andre and Soli do. And, uh, uh, but but again, we pass that on to Andre and Soli and we're like, y'all go for it. And they are, they're taking the torch, right? So thank you guys for letting us share. I know it's been long and I know you just had lunch. I know you're like really tired and sleepy. I I would be too. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and find out um, if you all have any questions for us. Hey, thanks for checking out this week's podcast. Don't forget that we upload additional content on all of our social media outlets, meaning Instagram at Above the Fray with David and Rosie and on our Facebook page, which is Above the Fray. We hope that you check out next week's podcast that we'll be recording this weekend. We're excited about that podcast. And uh, as usual, we want to encourage you to intentionally live freely and lightly. God bless you guys.